Well, thank you. That was beautiful. All the music was beautiful this morning. And for me, the music uh, makes a lot of the season. Um, I love the Christmas carols and love all the instruments. And it was great to hear Steve play this morning. Well, we've been in, a, uh, in an Advent series and I have been thankful for this because it has really caused me to slow down and think about the baby that was born um, into this world. And so I hope that you also have just kind of felt a sense of slowing down and of calm. Um, our main scripture has been Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. And specifically, we've been looking at the names of Jesus that Isaiah gave to us in this passage Um, it's pretty cool when you think about the fact that that God sent this prophet Isaiah into the world with this big plan to save the world that God created from its own sin. And that he did it hundreds and hundreds of years before the solution of Jesus Christ would come into the picture. That's pretty amazing that God did that. Josh started us off with this series with his mind-blowing sermon about how Jesus is described as our wonderful counselor. And he's not just a wonderful counselor in general. He's our wonderful counselor. He's our personal counselor. And I liked how Josh set the scene for us, helping us to think about unwrapping this gift of Jesus as we look at all of the things that he encompasses. And last week, Joe talked about how Jesus is mighty God. And unfortunately, I needed to be somewhere else last week, so I didn't get to hear Joe's message. But how can you go wrong with mighty God? A God who is powerful enough to command kingdoms and yet humble enough to die for the sins of this world, our sins included. Well, as we continue to unwrap this perfect gift of Jesus, we're going to find out that not only is Jesus our wonderful counselor, not only is he mighty God, but he is our everlasting father. Most of us have heard that term, everlasting father, hundreds of times if we've been in the church. And we don't really, I think, give it very much thought, other than when we hear it, we connect it to eternity or heaven in some way. But really, I think we're pretty guilty of not giving that name of Jesus enough importance. But the fact that we have a God that is everlasting is a big deal. It's a really big deal. We're so careless sometimes with our words most of the time. We throw words around like they're nothing. Let me give you an example. How many of you have a BFF? How many of you don't know what BFF means, but you think if you did know, you might have one? (laughs) BFF stands for best friend forever. It's texting lingo. Our young people use it all the time, probably on a daily basis, don't you, young people? Yes. No, Haley says no. She's not a BFF fan. But I bet you have a BFF. Huh. (laughs) Somebody needs to be her BFF before this service is over. Young people use it all the time, and people my age, we just use it in a lame attempt to, you know, feel like we're young and stay connected to the younger culture. 
I do have a BFF, and I actually use that lingo in my texting when I text her. My BFF is Lori. That's her name. My best friend is Lori. And uh, she said I could put a picture of her up, but I, I thought that would be a little too much. Um, I text Lori almost every day, and she texts me. And oftentimes we'll put in there, hey, BFF, do you want to go get coffee after school? Or something like that. We're constantly checking on one another. She is my best friend. She gets me, which is a little scary when you think about what it must take in her mental, emotional health to get me. But she gets me, and I get her. We laugh together. We cry together. We share parenting stories together. We commiserate with one another over school. We share life together. And really, uh, I never gave much thought to calling Lori my BFF until last summer when things changed. Lori was diagnosed with breast cancer. She's just a little bit older than me, very healthy, no, no family history, and this just came out of the blue, the most aggressive type of breast cancer that there is. And so when I would be with Lori and, and I would sit with her in times that she was really not feeling well or just needed a friend to be there, I would be a pillar of strength for her because that's what friends do. But when I would drive away, I would think to myself, I might lose her. I could lose my best friend. And that term, BFF, the forever part of BFF, became fragile at best. We say things to our kids and spouses like, I'm going to love you forever. And kids will sometimes write forever on their folders and their books, especially when they're, when they're dating someone. They think that's going to last forever. Buckle Jeans gives people a guarantee on their jeans forever. For as long as you are here forever, you can have this guarantee on your buckle jeans. There's even a forever heart necklace, which I have told Jay many times not to get me because I'm not a fan. There's even a clothing store called Forever 21. Now listen, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade, but none of us are staying 21 forever. <laughs> it comes and goes. And we don't need a forever guarantee on our buckle jeans. And a forever heart necklace will really only last maybe a decade at the most. And even the people dearest to us will not be our friends, our spouses, or our children forever. Nothing on earth is forever. There is only one, one entity in this world that will last forever, and that is our everlasting Father. I want us to take a look at Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. And I only have verses 6 through 7 on the screen, but if you'll turn in your Bibles to Isaiah Chapter 9, 1 through 7. I just want to read this for us one more time to kind of set the scene. Chapter 9 in Isaiah, starting with verse 1. Nonetheless, those who were in distress won't be exhausted. At an earlier time, God cursed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But later, he glorified the way of the sea, the far side of the Jordan, and the Galilee of the nations. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a pitch-dark land, light has dawned. 
You have made the nation great. You have increased its joy. They rejoiced before you as with joy at the harvest, as those who divide plunder rejoice. As on the day of Midian, you've shattered the yoke that burdened them, the staff on their shoulders and the rod of their oppressor. Because every boot of the thundering warriors and every garment rolled in blood will be burned, fuel for the fire. A child is born to us, a son is given to us, and authority will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be vast authority and endless peace for David's throne and for his kingdom establishing and sustaining it with justice and righteousness now and forever. The zeal of the Lord of heavenly forces will do this. Josh set this story up uh, for us very well a couple of weeks ago by explaining the context in which this, this scripture was presented. Ahaz is a king of Judah, and the Assyrians had been planning this all-out attack on them. They were living in constant fear of being attacked on all sides. Ahaz lived in just this this, uh, total sense of unrest all of the time. The situation was chaos for these people. War was really a way of life for them. And there, there were lots of lives lost and there were more lives going to be lost in the in all of this fray. And while the Israelites had a sense of godliness. They knew of God. They really were pagan at heart. They had a history of not listening, of being disobedient to God. And so there were multiple layers of problems in this kingdom, much like today. In the midst of all this uh, ungodliness and war, Isaiah is sent as a prophet to both warn the people that they need to turn back to God but also to give them a message of hope. And so on this particular day, Isaiah has this grand announcement, and it has all of the makings of a solution to these problems that the Israelites have been facing. Now Ahaz, as the king, had to have been thinking, finally somebody has an answer. The stage is set, and Ahaz has called the entire kingdom in to hear the message of Isaiah. They're finally going to figure out what the solution is. I can just picture their faces. They're so weary. And finally, there's a little glimmer of hope as they await this message. So Isaiah steps up to the microphone and he starts to speak this solution, this message that he has. And he says to them, I know you're weary. I know you're tired. I know you're grieving over your loss. I know you're scared. And I know that you need rest. But there is light at the end of this very, very dark tunnel. And that light is a baby. A baby is going to be born in a few hundred years that is going to give us great counselor. Counsel. He will be our mighty, everlasting Father, and He's going to bring us peace. Can you imagine the faces of those people in that crowd? <laughs> a baby? A baby is going to be our solution. And not a baby now, a baby in hundreds of years. 
they're probably thinking, get that guy off the stage. We need real answers. The Israelites were only looking at their situation in their present circumstances. They had a problem right now, and they wanted solutions and answers right now. They wanted immediate answers. They were not interested in the future, only what they were experiencing right then. But you know what? God doesn't work that way. He had such a bigger plan in all this. He had something else in mind, something much longer term, as in the for real forever. God's solution to the problem would be an everlasting father. Eternal, not just the here and now, defines who the person of Christ is. And it's especially significant when we compare the definition of the eternal Christ to the definition of human beings. There's a game right now that a lot of people are playing, and it's called Trivia Crack. How many of you have some games of Trivia Crack going right now? Look at, yep, lots of hands. Some people don't want to put their hands up, but you know you've got games of Trivia Crack going. I, I love it. I play Trivia Crack with my friends. I've got some people in this congregation I've got games with. I think Brian Eric's cheating, but we won't go there. Um, I play with my kids. We all play this game. I, we love it. And sometimes in the evenings, the kids and I will be sitting in the living room and we'll all be on our phones. Now listen, don't pull me aside afterwards and give me parenting advice about how we shouldn't all be on our phones and we should be having conversations. Okay, we do all that too. But sometimes when we're in our living rooms, we're on our phones playing trivia crack. And the way the game works is you have to spin a wheel and then it gives you a category and then you get a question. If you answer the question in 30 seconds, you get a spin again. When you get three questions in a row, you get a play for a crown. Well, there's six crowns that you can earn. And so you've got to earn your six crowns before your opponent earns their six crowns. So it's a pretty exciting game. It's fast-paced. It's, you know, it's timed. All the questions are timed. Well, Seth is our, he's our history and our sports guy. So we ask him those questions. Tanner is our science guy. Megan is our entertainment person, and then I try to pick up the art, and we try to ask Jay the geography questions, but Jay doesn't get into the whole there's a 30-second limit thing. And so sometimes we get timed out if we wait too long on Jay because, you know, he's too busy thinking about it. Well, because everybody wants to be right, you want to you answer your question right so you can go on because if you answer wrong, your game goes to your opponent, and you have to wait for them to play. So you want to be right. And so sometimes we're all sitting in the living room. We're just shouting out questions. Hey, what's, what's the answer to this? What's the answer to this? And when you get the wrong answer, because somebody gave you the wrong answer, <laughs> it's kind of a letdown. Seth is the worst about apologizing. He will apologize for five minutes because he gave you the wrong answer. I'm so sorry I gave you the wrong answer. I'm so sorry. I really thought I knew. I'm sorry. You know, it's okay, Seth. Now, Tanner, not apologetic at all. His whole stance is, you should have known it yourself. You wouldn't have had to ask me. And I usually try to qualify my answers by saying, I'm not for sure, but I think. Here's the thing with God. 
Being eternal brings with it a few characteristics that are critical to how we choose to let Jesus into our lives. Being eternal is like the big present that has a whole bunch of little presents inside of it. Because he is eternal, because he is everlasting, because Christ was the beginning and will be the end of all things ever, he knows all of the answers. He knows every answer to every question pertaining to the categories of our lives. He knows all of the answers to everything always. Human beings are fallible. We're wrong quite often. Even Isaiah in chapter 3, 22 says, Stop trusting in man who has but a breath in his nostrils. Of what account is he? Meaning, you know what? Human beings are only here for just such a short time. They only see the here and now. They don't know what lies ahead. But God does. Will we seek answers from the one who is the beginning and who has seen all things for all of time and will be the end of time? The answers he gives us will always be right. God is never going to apologize for giving you the wrong answer because by the very nature of who he is, he cannot give you a wrong answer. He's never going to tell you, you should have known the answer yourself. Because he loves us so unconditionally and wants us to bring our problems to him. He's going to provide the right answers. And he's never going to say, I'm not positive, but I think the answer should be this. He knows. He knows the answer that is right for us in our situation. Every single time he knows, and he is never wrong, and he will never be wrong. Now, do I think God is interested in helping us with our trivia crack questions? No, I don't think he's interested in that. But does he care about us and want the very best for us always? Absolutely. It's pretty fantastic that we have someone to whom we can ask our hardest questions and know that because he's seen all things from the beginning of time, he has all of the right answers. That's a beautiful gift that happens because he is eternal. Which leads me to the second gift within the bigger gift of his eternalness. Is that a word? He has never failed and never will fail any of us. And he's the only one that deserves our true, sincerest praise. Listen, people will come and go. And we don't like to think about that. But people have their faults. They let us down. We let them down because we're just plain human. I've honestly never understood why some people get so worked up about a celebrity I mean, they wait outside the gates for them. They want to shake their hands. They want, you know, who cares? They're people. And I guarantee you that if we were to be a part of their lives for any amount of time, they would let us down. 
because they're human beings. They would disappoint us. While we may and should absolutely love the people that are in our lives the same way that Jesus loves us, there is only one single person who is never going to fail us in some way. And that is our eternal Father. That is Jesus Christ. Even with our best intentions, we are going to fail people because we are human and we will be failed by humans. But Jesus, never, never will that happen. He is the perfect Son of God. He will never fail us and He's the only one that is worthy of our sincere praise. The third small gift within that bigger gift of our everlasting Father is that He's the perfect example. He is holy. No sin, no wrong in him. And not only is he perfect, but he knows what it's like to be a human being. He was tempted, he was made fun of, he was beat, he got reprimanded as a child, he dealt with difficult people, he showed tremendous patience, he traveled, he got tired, he got hungry, he experienced emotions and pain. Anything that we could possibly experience in this life, the eternal Jesus has already experienced. His example is not only perfect, it's realistic. He knows what we're feeling and what we're dealing with. Additionally, and I, I think that for me, this might be the best of the smaller gifts. Because Christ is everlasting. He is enduring and unchanging. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't change the rules in the middle of the game. He doesn't show favoritism or choose sides. He is who he says he is. And what he said 2,000 years ago, he says today. No one can ever prove that he has not lived up to the expectations or the standards that he has set for us. His truths have never been revisited and branded with new language to make them more user-friendly. He will never succumb to political power plays or peer pressure. He can't be bought out. He can't be paid off. He can't be taken over. The Ten Commandments are still the Ten Commandments, and the Jesus who died on the cross to pay the price for our sins 2,000 years ago in real time is the same Jesus who died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. He is our everlasting Father. So what does that mean for us today? Our circumstances are obviously different than the people that Isaiah was speaking to. In my opinion, we're on the better side of the story. Because we have the knowledge of Jesus in his birth and in his life, in his ministry, his death and resurrection. The reality of an everlasting father means we have a source of infallible instruction. We have someone by our side that we can ask life's toughest questions to. And even the not so tough ones. When I think about my BFF, my best friend. I ask her opinion often about many things, and she does the same for me. 
but she can't see the future. She can't know how the decisions that I make today will affect my and my family's future. Even though she wants to give me great advice because she loves me and cares about me, she can only give me advice that is in the here and now and not know the consequences of it later. So while she helps me weigh out my pros and cons, she can't give me fail-safe advice. And I can't do that for her. My husband can't give me fail-safe advice. My kids, even my pastor, can't do that for me. And I can't do that for any of you. I'm not saying that we shouldn't ever seek the counsel of others, but oftentimes our first go-to when we need advice is a flawed human being instead of the everlasting Father who sees the full picture from beginning to end. He's the only one who can give us undeniably dependable answers. Why would we keep going to people when we have the perfect example and the one who can give us the, the perfect answers for ourselves? We're so quick to trust another human being rather than an eternal father who loves us unconditionally. It's Jesus to whom we should be running to when advice or counsel is needed. Because it's Jesus who is the beginning and the end. He's the perfect, unfailing one. I think the main reason people, even followers of Christ, sometimes go to a person rather than to Jesus is an issue of trust. Trust comes into play in a big way here. Current studies show, and this is sad, that our young people from adults, from preteens to young adults, have an innate lack of trust for entities of people. They don't trust school personnel, they don't trust church people, they don't trust family members, they don't trust friends. A lot of times they don't even trust their parents. The culture we are living in Today is one of dishonesty. Everyone is out for themselves. There's blatant disregard for human life. Parents don't take care of their children. Educators, community leaders, clergy, all in the media for mistreating people. There's Ponzi schemes, embezzlement, you name it. There are a million reasons why people shouldn't trust other people. So no wonder our young people, our younger generations have this propensity to not trust anyone. But there is one person that we can trust without question. And we need to be teaching our children this. There is one person that we can trust without question. And that is our eternal father. How do I know that? Let me ask you something. Would the God who sent his only son to die for you and for me, would he later down the road make a bad decision for you? Absolutely not. That would make no sense. And it would be a waste of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Because God gave up his only son to die for each of us, he has proven that he can be trusted with all things that concern our lives. He has seen our lives from the beginning, and we'll see it through to the end. He knows the big picture. He knows what our, uh, 
what our thoughts are. He, he wants the very best for us. And he has proven time and time again that he can be trusted. Think about times in the Bible where God proved that he could be trusted. He parted the Red Sea for Moses. He helped Noah build a humongous cruise ship to get out of the flood. When everybody told him he was crazy, he, he shut the mouths of the lions. He got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the fiery furnace. He broke Paul and Silas's chains in the prison. He resurrected his son from the dead. He has proven over and over again that he is the one who can be trusted. And finally, because Christ is our everlasting Father, he is the giver of eternal life. It's kind of amazing how many people never really give life after death much thought. I mean, we as believers do, but people in the world, have you ever had a conversation with somebody about eternity? There are a lot of people out there that just think when we die, that's it. We just cease to be. There is nothing beyond the here and now. And maybe what's even scarier is that there are a lot of people who think if you're just a halfway decent person, you get to go to heaven. The assumption of a heaven without the contemplation of where it came from is very dangerous. There is a heaven because God, the author of all creation, the definition of the beginning and the designer of the end, created a heaven. It is for his dwelling. It is his kingdom. It's a place for him. And above everything else, our Heavenly Father is holy. Therefore, heaven is a place of holiness. And to be a part of that, we must be holy, forgiven, living in the grace of Jesus every day, loving others the way that he loves them. Just being a nice person and making good decisions isn't going to cut it. God created us in his image, and he sent his son to show us how to live holy lives. He left his Holy Spirit here to be our guide so that we could eventually join him in heaven in eternal life for all eternity. Because of his unconditional love for us, he not only handed over his only son to die for us, to be our sacrifice, but he makes a way to himself through Jesus and then offers us a home in eternity. That's our eternal father. I was sitting in my living room early yesterday morning and uh, Jay and I were the only ones up and we had the coffee going and the tree was lit up and had some candles burning and it was quiet. It was peaceful. Probably the most peaceful moment I had had all week. It was beautiful. I can't, re I, I can't imagine, I have no idea what heaven will be like. I can't even put words to what it will be like. But I know it will be better than, than any of the beautiful moments we've had in our lives here. It will be far better. And it will be that way forever. Because our everlasting Father has made it available to us. A wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, 
names of Jesus some of us have read and heard over and over throughout the years. Each of those truths is a separate gift wrapped up in the eternal person of Christ. Such a beautiful gift that so many people turn their backs on. How could we not open that gift and claim it as ours? But people do it every day. They refuse Christ every day. But you know what? Whether we choose as a people to accept him or not, no matter how many times we turn our backs on him or refuse the gift of Christ, he's still the gift. He's still a wonderful counselor. He's still a mighty God. And he is still the everlasting father. Because who he is, is not dependent on our decisions. And I'm thankful for that. Because as human beings, we can screw a lot of things up. But our eternal father is who he says he is. He is unchanging and he is relentless in seeking us and drawing us to him. Because he wants nothing more than for each and every one of us to accept his gift. Human beings will fail us, even the ones that love us the most. Best friends will not be here forever. There's no reason to have a forever guarantee on a pair of buckle jeans. Us nor the jeans are going to last that long. There's only one who is truly forever. And Isaiah prophesied about him. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of his greatness and peace there will be no end. I'm going to ask Vicki to come up and play for us. And I just sense that maybe... There are some that might want to come and speak to your everlasting Father. I think um, praise certainly is appropriate for who he is. Thankfulness that he has given us so much. Or maybe we just need to ask that he'll help us to really look at him for everything that he is worth and all that he does for us. Don't, don't go another day in this Advent season without really slowing down and thinking about this beautiful, beautiful gift. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are. I don't know what I would have thought if I would have been standing back in Judah on the day that Isaiah made this big announcement. I probably wouldn't have been all that impressed. But Lord, the more that I get to know you and the longer that I live with you and the longer that I walk this journey with you, I am more and more impressed daily. And I don't ever, ever want to take you for granted or to not think about who you really are. I am so thankful that you are a wonderful counselor. I'm thankful, Lord, that you have all the answers and they're the right answers. Help us, Jesus, to trust you more. 
Help us to trust you with all of the things that concern us. Help us to know that you answer in your time and in the way that is best for us. Lord, thank you for being our mighty God, the one that stands by our side, the one that is so powerful and yet so humble. And thank you for being our everlasting Father, for offering to us the gift of eternal life. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to know how badly we need a Savior in our lives. Help us to see you, Jesus, for who you really are. And thank you for meeting with us and for your sweet spirit, and most of all, for giving up all that you had in heaven to come to this earth as a baby, only to die on a cross for us. It's in your precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.